Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. I'm Jonathan Sadler, your host. Um, and before we get started, I'll just remind everyone today, if you're coming in on the Zoom app, you can submit your questions and comments in the Q&A box or the chat window as we're going through our topic today. Or if you're on Scott's Facebook page, you can put those in the comment window, um, and we'll be happy to get to those during our show. Uh, I got with me today, Scott Snelser. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing all right. Good. Good to see you. Um, so uh, today we're going to be discussing something, um, and I'll kind of get the, get the ball rolling on this. Um, in a few of my conversations that I've had with some people recently, um, one of the one of the really common questions or areas um, that people kind of aren't really sure about certain uh, things that the Bible says is in the area of talking about conversion and becoming a Christian, and like how does how does that happen? How do you become a Christian? Um, how, how do you have your sins forgiven? Uh, how are those washed away and, and kind of different offshoots of that idea. And I remember Scott and I, we both have a, a friend um, named Dan, who I heard um, there was a time whenever he was approached by someone who asked him what he teaches or what he thought about the idea of conversion. Um, and Dan told this guy to just go get a notepad and a, a pencil or, or a pen and read through Acts and just write down all of the different times that Acts tells about conversions and what are the circumstances of those conversions and just kind of take notes and then get back to him. Um, and um, the guy ended up coming back afterwards um, and uh, telling Dan that he wanted to be baptized, which we'll kind of see in our, in our reading and study today, um, why he arrived at that conclusion. Um, but it's really simple. There, there are a lot of different teachings, and when we talk about some of those, how do you, how are you saved? How do you become part of Jesus's people um, and obtain that forgiveness of sins? And just a, a reading through Acts and seeing how that happens really, I think, clears up a lot of the questions surrounding that. So we're going to spend our time going through the different accounts, um, probably not all of them, but uh, hopefully most of them in Acts, and just reading and seeing the the trends um, and things that show up surrounding this idea. Um, so. Um, to get us started, um, we'll start in Acts chapter 2. Um, so, Scott, do you want to start maybe going through that text and, and pointing some things out? Sure. So, just summing up the first part, it's the day of Pentecost, so it's seven weeks uh, after the crucifixion and resurrection. People, Jews from other countries had traveled there for Passover, and a lot of people have traveled again now for the next feast, which is Pentecost. But then there's this sound from heaven and then tongues of fire, and then the apostles begin to speak with other tongues, and there were in Jerusalem Jews from every nation under heaven. As they hear the sound, uh, they're bewildered, and they're amazed. Aren't all these that speak Galileans? How is it that we, each of us hear in our own native language? And it describes where they're from, and they want to know, of course, what does this mean? Some, and I suspect it's the locals who don't understand the languages, think they're drunk. Peter gets up and says, men of Judea, uh, he says, we're not drunk. It's just the third hour of the day. This is what was prophesied through Joel, Joel chapter two, uh, which talks about the spirit being poured out and it shall come to pass. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he says, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God do, did through him in your midst, even as you know. 
this Jesus delivered up by definite plan for knowledge of God, you crucified and killed. Uh, first off, let's just pause. Uh, why doesn't he say here, Jesus Christ? Why does he say Jesus of Nazareth? Um, well, I don't know exactly why he doesn't say Jesus Christ. He'll later make the point that God has made him both Lord and Christ um, at the end of his of his sermon. But this would have been the, the way to identify him so that people knew who he was talking about. He was yeah. Jesus, the guy from Nazareth. Um, and people, people knew who that was. Jesus was famous in the area. Yes. And Peter's talking to unbelievers. Mm -hmm. So they, they know, you know, a lot of them might have been there. Some of them might have been yelling, crucify him, crucify him. People know Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. They didn't know Jesus Christ was crucified. If mm -hmm. they'd known him Messiah, they wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. So this sermon starts off with Jesus of Nazareth, mm -hmm. but it ends up with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So this Jesus, you killed, but he reminds them that he did miracles, but you killed him. But then he says, God raised him. And of course, he quotes Psalm 16, including the verse, uh, you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. Now, who wrote that? David. And how does, what point does Peter make about David? Yeah, David wasn't talking about himself because he's still dead and his grave is, we, we have his grave. We know that it still yeah. has his remains in it. So who was he talking about? Peter says he was talking about the Messiah and that he wouldn't be abandoned to Hades. His flesh wouldn't see corruption. Then Peter says, this Jesus God raised up and we're witnesses of it. And now he's at the right hand of God as it says in Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And so he finishes with this powerful statement, let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. Now, how do they feel? Yeah, they're cut to the heart in verse 37. So, that, I mean, they would feel terrible and try to put yourself in their position. What they've just heard is not only has, has the Messiah been killed, but we're the ones that are directly responsible for the Messiah being killed. Um, so it's, it's not just this general, you know, unfortunate statement. It's very personal um, at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they've been waiting for the Messiah a long time. Mm -hmm. And to find out, oh, he came and we killed him. Mm -hmm. So they're cut to the heart. Yes. What do we need to do? And this is, is just vital. This is not what Peter teaches is not what most churches teach. Mm -hmm. We're going to later see what most churches teach. I was, I was talking with a friend of ours the other night and asking him, you know, what, what would you tell a person that wants to know what to do? And he was saying, well, repent and, you know, pray and ask Jesus into your heart as your personal savior. If that's, if that was God's method of how he asked us to respond then this would have been a perfect spot for that mm -hmm. and, and that prayer that people pray you could put it right here mm -hmm. but that prayer that people pray that's in the back of the tracks in the, in some evangelism bibles printed at the back of the bible it's not in the biblical text if we go to the biblical text what does peter say 
says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to repent? That's this idea that will show up also in chapter three, and we'll notice that in a second, but it's this idea of turning back um, and, and this 180 degree change in your life, um, cutting out sin, crucifying your yourself, um, dying to sin. There are a bunch of different ways that the Bible talks about it, but it's, it's stopping the sin in your life and instead changing and filling your life with righteousness. And especially the decision to make that change, the resolve, yes. the commitment, the decision to make that change. Mm-hmm. As the change is lived out, John the Baptist calls that the fruits of repentance. Yeah. But you have to decide to change. Uh, one of my favorite verses to describe repentance, even though the word repentance is not in it, is Luke 9, 23. Jesus said, if anybody wants to follow me, you have to deny self and take up your cross daily and follow me mm-hmm. you, you just have to decide to change and do that surrender and submit yep and go ahead go ahead all right then what does he tell them to do be baptized yeah. in the name in the name of jesus yeah for what forgiveness of your sins yeah and i don't want us to spend a lot of time on this but there used to be a very common argument. Uh, I believe it came maybe kind of out of Dallas Theological Seminary. And they would, they would say that this really means be baptized because your sins are already forgiven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would argue that, uh, I'll give two arguments that they would give and I'll ask you to respond, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Argument number one, uh, just from the English, they would say, if a man is wanted for bank robbery, does that mean they want him so that he will rob a bank? <laughs> or do they want him because he already robbed a bank? Mm-hmm. If you get a ticket for drunk driving, is that a ticket so that you can go drunk drive? No, it's a ticket because you were already drunk driving. Mm-hmm. And so, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It's because of what's already done. And I'll I'll get to the Greek argument that I think was from Dallas Theological Seminary in a minute. First, let's start with that four. How would you answer that? Um, That's a good question. One, I would would say um, that using an an English word to, or English grammar to make a point is probably not overly accurate um, in a different language. Um, But I'm not totally sure how you would respond, Scott. All right. So if we look in the Greek, it's repent and be baptized. Uh, Here we go. And it's uh, ace is Mm -hmm. here translated for. So the ESV has for. The American Standard has unto. And really into is the basic meaning of that word. and so if I'm trying to find here, but I'm not spotting it for some reason, I'm too, there we go. There we go. Mm-hmm. It's ace and, or ice. And if we look up and see what it means, its basic meaning is into, unto. Mm-hmm. It's the 10th most common word in the New Testament, by the way. 
-hmm. And there's another passage where this same phrase is used um, unto the remission of sins. And that's back in Matthew 26, 28. So Jesus is establishing the Lord's Supper. He says what? This is my blood, which is poured out for many. And there's our phrase mm -hmm. for the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. Ace and uh, Afasan and Hamartion. Uh, these words are also in Acts 2. Mm -hmm. Did Jesus mean that he was going to pour out his blood because sins are already forgiven? No, obviously not. <laughs> then he wouldn't have had to pour out his blood. Yeah, it's this is the purpose of it. It is to this purpose. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, and I'm sorry, I'm slowing us down too oh, yeah. much here, um, is that uh, it used to be argued that ace means because of. You would mm -hmm. meet, meet people that would say here, it means because of. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go back and look at that word, uh, as I said, it's, it's 1,700 times in the New Testament. And let's just look how it's translated in the King James. Into, 573 times, to, unto, for, in, on, toward, against. No times is it ever translated because of. Mm -hmm. no, no mainline Bible translation translates it because of. Because that's mm -hmm. not what the word means. Mm -hmm. And finally, let's just consider textually. Is, people to, is Peter talking to save people? Yes. Or no, he's not. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. The, they're unsaved people wanting to know what to do. Yeah. And he tells him, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for or into the forgiveness of your sins. Yes. And with many other words, he bore witness and exhorted them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So verse 41. They're baptized. They received yeah. his word and were baptized, and then they're added to the church. Yeah. And then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Mm -hmm. Any other comments or thoughts on Acts 2? Mm -mm. No. So then you continue going. Um, another, the next time that we kind of see the uh, conversions happen is in uh, chapter 3. Um, uh, we're really chapter 3 and 4 where we'll just summarize really quickly. Peter and John see this lame man who's sitting out front of the gate in the first few verses. Um, they heal him. Uh, he's able to walk now, um, and he had never been able to walk his whole life. Um, and we find out in chapter four, that's 40 years. So a long time, everyone knew that he was a lame man. And so they realize what's happened, that this is a miracle. Um, in verse 10 there, they recognized him. They're amazed. Um, and then this big, great crowd kind of comes together. So Peter in verse 11 and 12 sees an opportunity to speak to them um, and kind of teach them as a result of this miracle. And so he says in verse 12, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we've made him walk? The God of Abraham, of uh, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus. So there, again, similar kind of construction of getting them to see Jesus. Um, and then he says, you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had released him or decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you now see and know. 
and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all, talking about the lame man. So faith in Jesus is the result of that and the power of Jesus. Then he gets to verse 17 and he says, now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, going back to what he said about you all killed the author of life. You denied Jesus even when Pilate had already decided he should be released. You killed the author of life. And he says, I know you acted in ignorance. And this is interesting, as did all of your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all of the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Then he says in verse 19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom we have spoke, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So Peter points out in chapter three that they were ignorant. Um, and that the rulers were ignorant. They didn't realize, like what we said uh, in chapter two, they didn't realize that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. Maybe they should have, but, but they didn't. They were ignorant to that. But what does he tell them, even, even though they are ignorant, does that mean that they're exempt from their sins? <laughs> no. And how, well, how do we know that? Well, in verse 19, he says, you need yeah. to repent and turn back so your sins will be blotted out. Now, this, this exactly. is... Yeah, now this is interesting, Scott. This is different than what he said in chapter two. What's different about it, this in chapter two than what happened in chapter two? Well, here he hasn't specified baptism yet. He's, yeah. He's, he's introducing this to people. In Acts 2, they're, they, they're already convinced in believers and mm -hmm. they're asking, what do we need to do? Mm -hmm. Here he's doing what he does repeatedly in Acts. God sent him. You killed him. God raised him. We're witnesses. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Yep. Mm -hmm. And this thing, yeah, I know in ignorance you did it. You've got to repent. You've got to turn. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't do any good to talk about to to baptize somebody that hasn't repented. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so in chapter four, they start getting some pushback from the from the religious leaders, and they come and arrest them. But um, even regardless of Peter uh, and the apostles being arrested. Uh, in verse four, many of those who heard the word believed, and then the number of men came to be about 5,000. So they're adding on to that number, um, believing and being convicted by the truth there. Um, but let's go to uh, Acts chapter eight um, and look at um, this kind of next uh, example here um, with the guy who we call Simon the sorcerer uh, or Simon the magician. So um, the Christians have been scattered um they started kind of facing severe persecution after the stoning of stephen who would have been the first christian martyr um that we're aware of um and we mentioned saul who we'll get to and start talking about in just a few minutes um but in verse four there were those who were scattered they went about preaching the word and philip went down to the city of samaria and he proclaimed to them the christ and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by philip and when they heard him and saw the signs that he did unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice they came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and so there was much joy in that city and then there's this man named simon in verse 9 who had previously been practicing magic in the city and amazed the people of samaria saying that he himself was somebody great and they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest saying this man is the power of god that is called great they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic but when they believed philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. 
And even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So with Simon and the other people that are in this city in Samaria, they hear the teaching of Philip, who was one of the seven that was chosen back in Acts chapter six. He goes down to Samaria out of Jerusalem from this, this scattering of persecution, and he's teaching them about Jesus. And the response that you see, men and women and Simon uh, included in that group are baptized. They believe in Jesus after seeing the signs and the evidences and the proof, and they're baptized. Um, and like what we've seen in Acts chapter two and Acts chapter three, uh, it's for the forgiveness or, or remission of their sins. Now, there's an interesting thing to notice about this story with Simon. Um, and this is curious. So Simon, you can see there um, at, at, the, at the end of his story uh, or at the end of that in verse uh, 13, he's baptized. He becomes a believer. He's following with Philip. Uh, he's, he's a Christian. Um, but then he falls um, after that. And Peter comes down um and uh peter and john come down to samaria and they instruct him how to respond after he's a believer had his sins forgiven in christ um and then falls uh in sin um what he needs to do and it's different than what peter would say to the people that first kind of need to hear the gospel in uh, in acts chapter two so there scott has it there on the screen in acts uh, eight verse 22 um or i'll start actually in verse 20 if you want to scroll up scott in verse 20 um peter said to him this is after simon wants to purchase the gift of of passing on the holy spirit um like the apostles could do in the first century uh he wants to purchase that with money simon said or peter says to him in verse 20 may your silver perish with you because you have thought that you could obtain the gift of god with money you have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before god then in verse 22 he says repent therefore so the first thing, repentance shows up again. What that shows me is repentance is necessary at conversion, that, that change of mindset, but repentance is necessary continually throughout our walk with God. Um, I know oftentimes, Scott, you'll go to 1 John chapter 1 and show that walking in the light versus walking in darkness. And if we say we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth's not in us, but we need to you know, walk in the light. And in chapter 2, John says, I'm not telling you all these things so that you, you know, uh, or how does he say it? I'm misquoting it now. Um, I'm telling you these things so that you would not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with Jesus. So there's that, you know, we have to repent continually um, from our sins and, and be constantly turning away from that and turning to Jesus. So the first thing he says is you need to repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intentions of your heart may be forgiven. Um, so there's a different response for forgiveness of sins from a believer who's been saved in Christ than somebody who hasn't been saved um, there. So that's interesting to notice that. Do you have any thoughts or comments about that, Scott? Yeah. Uh, so like back in Acts 2, the non-Christians were told repent and be baptized. Mm -hmm. And then Simon uh, would have done that. But when he goes back into sin, now he's told repent and pray. Yep. He, mm -hmm. he doesn't need to be baptized again. Right, but he does to correct and repent and pray, like in First John, where it says, "If we confess our sins, He's mm -hmm. faithful and righteous to forgive us." And that was written to saved people, not to people on how to become saved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Chris. Mm -hmm. Let's notice one other thing here about who got baptized. Yes, and when when they believed, 
they were baptized, both men and women. Mm -hmm. The city of Samaria, it's a good-sized city. Would there have been babies and little children there? Yeah, yeah, almost definitely. Yeah. But who's getting baptized? The believing men and women. Yeah, it's when they believe. So we see the baptism here is for believers. And it's mm -hmm. for people that have sins that they need to have washed away. And it's for people that can repent. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's go on to the next one. And maybe we'll do uh, two more and then kind of step back and, and compare what we've seen in Acts. Um, let's look at Acts chapter 9. Um, and we're introduced to this man named Saul, um, who is Paul, who writes a significant portion of the New Testament. Um, we're introduced to him back in chapter 7 um and chapter eight but his it zeroes in on him in chapter nine um so he is persecuting the church he approved of stephen's execution in acts chapter seven and eight um and he's going to foreign cities now he wants to go to damascus um in order to find christians and bring them back to jerusalem to suffer the penalty of being blasphemers as uh saul understood in his mind and so he gets uh letters uh, written from the high priest in order to go uh, and drag these men and women back to Jerusalem to face judgment. And on his way to Damascus in verse three, um, suddenly this light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Then he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, um, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. And they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he went without sight and neither ate nor drank. And there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. The Lord said, rise, go to the street that is called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming to lay his hands on him so that he might be, uh, regain his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard about this man and how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said, Go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And Ananias departed. He entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road which you came has sent me to you that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. So this is the original story of um, Saul's conversion. And I've heard you ask the question before, Scott, maybe if you want to go through this, it's, it's an interesting question to think in reading verse one through 19, at some point at verse one, everyone can agree. Saul is not saved. He's persecuting right. the church. He's persecuting Christians. He's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. That is not saved at all, or even close to saved. In verse 19, we can agree Saul is saved. He's a Christian. He's a believer in Christ. Where did that happen in the text? Do you want to give maybe some, some possibilities of that, Scott? And then we'll notice the answer later on in Acts 22. Yeah, I've asked this question for years, and and sometimes people might pick, you know, when the Lord appeared to him, when he said, who are you, Lord? And he finds out it's Jesus. Um, that's often what people will pick. Um, somebody might say, oh, well, it's while he's praying, because look at there, uh, he's praying. Mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, and for three and days. Can, can you guess what he might have prayed? Yeah, he might have. He might have. Yeah, I'd be I'd be praying for mercy and yeah, uh, and understanding. Too. My world has just been turned upside down. Yeah, to find out that I've been persecuting Christians, voting to have them killed, and then find out that they're right. Jesus is the Christ. You'd be praying for mercy, for, for forgiveness, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and God lets him think about this for three days and lets him pray for three days and, and sends him there. And so where, you know, where in here is the, the point of salvation? And let's remind ourselves of what salvation is. What is it we need to be saved from? Saved Name from him our Jesus, sins. Matthew one twenty one. Name him Jesus because it is he that will save his people from their sins. Yeah. If I'm still in my sins, I'm not saved. Yes. If my sins are forgiven uh, uh, and gone, washed away, I'm saved. Mm -hmm. This chapter doesn't specify. It doesn't say that uh, Saul rose and was forgiven. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say um, that, you know, he prayed and was forgiven. It doesn't say he was baptized and was forgiven. This chapter doesn't specify. Mm -hmm. So does Paul recount this and get more specific later? Yeah. Yeah. In Acts chapter 22, um, while Paul is on trial, um, he retells the story of his conversion and he gives um, some extra details about, you know, what happened and specifically his conversation with, with Ananias. Um, but he's kind of making his defense and telling that. And in verse six, um well he starts in verse uh three talking about how he went down to damascus he was on the way to damascus to persecute the church and then in verse six he starts retelling what happened in acts chapter nine as i was getting close to damascus there was this great light that shone from heaven he spoke with the lord in verse seven eight and nine um and then he went into the city um in verse 10 um and he was led there and or led there into the city in verse 11 like he was told to in verse 10 and then Ananias comes in verse 12. So in verse 12, Acts 22, verse 12, one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who live there, came to me and standing by me, he said, brother Saul, receive your sight. And that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And then he said to me, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear from his, uh, the voice from his mouth. For you have been a witness or you will be a witness to him, to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now... Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So there, Ananias makes it very specific. Saul, at the point where he regained his sight, at the point where Ananias came and visited him, after all, all the three days of Saul's praying, after having the conversation and seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus, Ananias says, you're still in your sins. And, yeah. how, and how, do you, how do you get out of your sins? How, how is he going to wash those sins away? Rise and be Rise. baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name mm -hmm. it's interesting calling on his name is the same phrase used back in acts 2 uh in acts 2 when he quotes from joel 2 whoever calls on them the lord be saved and it's also quoted in romans uh chapter 10 where it talks about if we confess jesus as lord with our mouth uh and some people combining that phrase call on the lord and the phrase confession, they turn the confession into saying, I'm a sinner, I accept you in your heart, my heart is my personal savior. And they say, that's calling on the Lord. But in Acts 2, after quoting, whoever calls on the name of the Lord be saved, 
when they asked, what do they need to do? Peter specifically said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And here he says, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is at the end of the third missionary journey. He's on the steps of the tower going up uh, uh, there. The Roman soldier taking him. He'd asked to be able to speak to the people and he recants his conversion. Mm-hmm. And now when he recounts it, we get the specifics. Yep. Uh, so on the, when he saw the light, he's still in his sin. Three days of praying. He's still in his sin. By the way, did God notice his three days of praying? Yeah, told Ananias. Yeah, yeah. He said, hey, hey, he's praying. Get over there to him. Uh, and and why does God wait three days to send Ananias? I, my opinion is this is a huge adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the emotions that you would feel, uh, I, you would be frightened. You would be devastated. You would be ashamed. You would be embarrassed. You would be shocked. You would be terrified. You would. You also might, at the beginning, be quite disappointed. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 God spoke to me today and said, "Muhammad is the prophet," you know, that would yeah. be a shock to me. But it also not be a message I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, that and I, it looks like God gives. Saul three days to analyze this and process this. Then since Ananias to him, mm-hmm. rise, be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, with our time left, let's look at one more kind of um, interesting one, if you don't mind, Scott, in Acts chapter 19. Um, and this isn't going to be, well, we don't have enough time to go through all of the examples of conversion um, in Acts. So, so to our audience, you know, go through and read uh acts and just you know get that get that notepad get that pen and or or pencil and just write down all the times people are brought to the lord and what the circumstances are and notice the similarities here but there's an interesting story here in acts 19 when paul gets to ephesus um and he gets there after um apollos had been at ephesus um it seems like and and was teaching uh the people there um, and he gets to Ephesus and meets some people who have been baptized, but he has an interesting interaction with them. Um, so, Scott, do you want to go through that and talk about what, what's going on here in Acts 19? Okay, verse 1. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth, and at the end of 18, Apollos had been at Ephesus, but then left and goes to Corinth. Yes. And while he's over there at Corinth, then Paul gets to Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And he found some disciples, and, he's, and he said, did you receive this Holy Spirit when you believed? Because one thing Paul could do as an apostle was he could lay hands on people and give them spiritual gifts, like he'd done for Timothy and like mm-hmm. Peter and John did for the Samaritans. Mm-hmm. They said, no, we, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul backs up and says, and what were you baptized? And they said, John's, John's baptism. So what does Paul say? John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who is coming after him, that is Jesus. And then in verse five, they heard that and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul lays his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them. And then they have the the miraculous gifts given by the the apostles, like what Scott noticed. Um, But the thing that I want to see there is the, the importance of baptism. It's not just 
getting submerged it's not just getting dunked but they're baptized in the name of the lord jesus um it's yeah. this this verbal recognition um which we see pattern in the scriptures of jesus is the lord and i am submitting my life to him accompanied with the baptism that's the important part here um and so these guys they've already been you know physically baptized into the baptism of john but they weren't baptized in the name of jesus and so they correct that here um which is i think an important note to make um along all the things that we've been noticing um and there there are other examples that we could go to we don't have time to do that but um scott you mentioned just looking at all of these kind of accounts and stories and acts they're very different um, from things that are typically taught in, in modern churches um, and, and things today. So Scott, do you wanna go through and notice some of the teachings that we see in other churches um, and how do those compare? How do they contrast with what we've seen in, in the Acts conversions today? Yes, I'm gonna to try to see if it's, there we go. So let's run through this just real quick here in the time that we have and just, just review a few things. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, there was God and he made man and woman and they sinned and they were separated and separated from God by their sin. Uh, Isaiah 59, your sins have separated you from me. Uh, Ephesians 2, you were without God, without hope in the world. Jesus died for our sins. One objection a lot of people have to baptism, they say, water doesn't save you. It's the blood of Jesus that saves you. Yes, mm -hmm. it's yep. the blood of Jesus. But it's kind of like when Jesus told the blind man to dip in the pool of Siloam. When the blind man did what Jesus did, was he saved from blindness by the grace and power of God or by his expert dipping <laughs> in Siloam water? Yeah, by the grace and power of God, obviously. Yes. But when Jesus says, dip in the, in the pool of Siloam, what did he need to do? Go dip in the pool of Siloam. <laughs> yes. And that's when he came seeing. Mm -hmm. So when the Lord tells us what to do, just do it. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that he tells us to do isn't where the power is. Yep. The power is in Jesus because yep. he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. And we have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord laid the, on him the iniquity of us all. At the end of it there at the bottom, he was cut off out of the land of living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And so um, Matthew 1, name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's why we need to be saved. How? Jesus. Jesus is who saves us. Who does he save? His people. Mm -hmm. And his people are his sheep that hear his voice and follow him. Mm -hmm. And if he tells his sheep, repent and be baptized under the forgiveness of your sins, what do his sheep do? <laughs> repent and be baptized. <laughs> they do. But this is what we tend to see. Um, God loves you. Yes. Sin has separated us from God. Yes. They've got mm -hmm. Bible for that. God sent Jesus to die for your sins. Yes. And they can back that up with Bible. And then they say, I'm going to say a prayer. If you say that prayer with me, you'll be saved. Every head bow, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This isn't done in every church, but it's done in a great, great, great number of churches. Thousands and thousands and thousands of churches uh, do this routine. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Why? The speaker will assure them that nobody's going to see them. Mm -hmm. No one's going to see you. If you pray this prayer with me, 
you'll be saved. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I accept you in my heart as my personal savior. Thank you for saving me from my sins. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to raise your hand with every head bowed, every eye closed. No looking around. No one's going to see you but me and God. Now, raise your hand if you prayed that prayer. Don't worry. No one will see you. I see that hand. Mm -hmm. I see that hand. Mm -hmm. Question. Is that what Peter taught on the day of Pentecost? No. Mm -hmm. Is that what Philip taught the eunuch? No. Mm -hmm. Is that what Paul did? No. Is that the way people in the New Testament came to Christ? No. Has anyone ever seen that prayer in Scripture? Nope. And if I'm not willing to be seen with Christ, am I with Christ? Yeah, no. Christ would say, if you deny men before me, I'll deny you before my father. Yeah. And in Gospel Mark, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Mm -hmm. And they'll quote Romans 10, 9. But Romans 10 says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus mm -hmm. as Lord, mm -hmm. if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, we should be saved. And in chapter six, he talked about in baptism, we bury the old man and we're buried into Christ, into his death. And what do you do with the dead man? You bury him and then we rise and we walk in newness of life. It's mm -hmm. where we're born again. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just not in the Bible. We don't have time to talk about these things because we're running out of time. Mm -hmm. But let's just notice biblical faith repents. Mm -hmm. It decides to turn from sin. Biblical faith confesses Jesus as Lord. Mm -hmm. Biblical faith submits to baptism. Biblical faith follows. Mm -hmm. So there was yep. the problem. And in Acts 2.38, it said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And that brings man back into relationship with mm -hmm. God. No. So, um, I think it's a great challenge and exercise. Um, if you have questions about, you know, how, how do I have a relationship with Jesus? How do I have my sins forgiven? Just a, a reading of the text in Acts and, and seeing all of those examples. Um, first, seeing what the Bible says, because that's the most important thing. But then realizing that there are a lot of holes and differences in what a lot of churches will teach. And, you know, at the end of the day, we need to follow what the scriptures say. We need to follow the examples and the commands of the apostles and Jesus um, and accept what they say and do it. Um, otherwise, just like that, that blind man, you know, if you hear what Jesus said, said, but don't do it, you're not going to receive the blessings. You're not going to receive the promises that are given. Um, so to go ahead, Scott. Imagine how foolish it would have been if, if, I'd been a blind, the blind man and Jesus told me, go dip in the pool of Siloam. Mm -hmm. And on the way to the pool, if some preacher told me, no, 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 you don't need to go dip in the water. Mm -hmm. No, just you just need to pray and ask Jesus to be your personal sight restorer. Mm -hmm. Naaman. Yeah. If instead of going and dipping in the River Jordan, like he was told to, what if he said, well, I, I want to pray and ask Elijah, you know, uh, was it Elijah or Elisha? Elisha. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to pray and ask Elisha to be my personal leprosy healer. <laughs> I, want God of, I want to accept God of Israel as my personal. That wasn't what he said to do. Mm -hmm. He said, dip, you go dip. Yeah. Yeah. And Naaman almost made a, the grave mistake of 
going home and not doing it. Um, but then yeah. his his humble servant kind of got him to think, you know, logically about it and make the right decision. Um, so to our audience, if if you have more questions or or you know comments about that, and you want to know more and and try to understand more from the scriptures how that process works and what you need to do personally. Um, we'd be more than happy to talk with you about that. You can reach out to us at BibleQuest.tv. Give us your questions, and um, we'd be happy to, to sit down and talk with you about that um, online. Or you can just do the simple exercise. Just read through Acts. And we only looked at a few of them, but there are a lot more. Read through Acts and write down who is saved and how and when are they saved according to Acts. Um, and then submit to what God's word says. Um, in your life and you will be able to obtain the blessings that he's promised um, thanks scott for going through that today um, with me and thank you to our audience for tuning in that's all that we have for this week um, so if you have any questions about that or any other questions you'd like us to discuss on our live show um, you can give those to us and we'll be happy to do those in future broadcasts but we will see you all next week lord willing